0: how they handled the government, how they handled all their whole life. And they said, man, those people are just, they they remind me of Jesus. And so I challenge you today, are you a Christian? We like to quickly say I am, but does your life reflect that? Do people look at your life and say, man, you remind me of Jesus. How you treat people, how you honor people, how you love people, how you forgive Are you with me? Yeah? I know that can be a sobering thought. You know, oh, man. But that's what church is for. We're here to, you know, I don't want to make it bubbly for you. I want to give you the truth. But I want to encourage you and challenge you to think differently. And today, I want to talk about your heart. So in your notes there, if you don't have notes, we do have more um, notes in the back. Um, Would you grab those, man? If anyone needs notes, and your first thing, I want you to think about this question, and it's it's a fill in the blank, but it's for actually for you to fill it in. And I want to ask the question to you: How is your heart today? Now, don't don't answer it too quickly, but don't think about it too much. But I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit right now. And if you could, if you could, just to, to eliminate distraction, close your eyes and just whisper to the to the Lord, Lord, how how is my heart? How's my heart look to you, God? What what are you seeing? What are you sensing in my heart? And then I want you to write down what you are hearing the Holy Spirit say to you. The Lord's saying, How is your heart? And I want you to just do a, an honest assessment and just say, You know, my heart's really feeling this way today. And not just feeling only, but I'm sensing this battle in my heart. I'm sensing this in my heart. So just ask Jesus right now Jesus. What do you see right now in my heart? So that was just barely 30 seconds of silence. And I would say to you, this is something you should do, because most Christians don't even give the amount of time we just were silent. They don't even give that enough time shutting their mouth and listening to God on a daily basis. You should be asking yourself every morning when you come before the Lord, Lord, how does my heart look today? What, what do you see in my heart what, what should I be working on? What, what, do you, what do you want me to be about today? Because, church, I'm telling you, if your heart becomes fully surrendered to God, there's no stopping Christ in you. There's no stopping what God can do. There's no, there's no uh, end to the possibilities of what God can do in and through you if you surrender your heart. Guys, you can only help others grow closer to Christ when you're actively pursuing him yourself. You know, the church is full of of hypocrites, and we've heard that said about us, and we all know it's true, and and we have a lot of people in our church, including me at times, and including you at times, where we are not living the life we know we should live, but then yet we're expecting others to do it, even though we don't. And... God wants us to get more in alignment where we are actually living that out each day. Not We're not perfect, but yet we're pursuing. There, there's one thing to expect us all to be perfect. That's silly. But there is an expectation that, Wes, me and you should be pursuing God every day. We should be pursuing a heart that says, God, I'm open to you. I'm into the transformation process. Amen? So what have we learned about the heart? Let's get into that. So we have learned that the heart, number one, we've been learning about the heart in our first uh, first, uh, session was we needed to declare war, right? So if you remember the, the caption I wrote, we need to declare war, and we agreed together that a rescue boat was our best option. We agreed out of the three ships we talked about that we wanted to be a church that was a rescue ship, not a slave ship and not a cruise boat, although we'd all like to go on a cruise at one time, probably. But as a church, we want to be a ship that has, uh, is helping people, rescuing them, and helping them lead them to Christ and get whole and healthy in God's name. And so we declared in that that we needed to declare war on the promises of God that are promised to us that we have to take place in our heart and obtain and walk in those promises. And remember the quote we gave from Levi Lusko. It said this, Declaring war separates you from the problems that you can so easily mistake for permanent parts of your identity and distance you from your thoughts, your fears, and your anxiety. You are not your dysfunctional behavior. You are not your dysfunctional behavior. Some of you today have been so used to the dysfunctions in your life that you've made it part of you. You've made it that it's your personality, that it belongs to you. And a lot of times Christians do that. We do that with things in this world, trials and tribulations. Oh, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just an anxious person. That, that's contradictory to what God's Word says. He says, be anxious for nothing. So if you are an anxious person, you are opposing God's word by thinking that is something you have to be at all times. Are you with me? So we are to to declare war on anxiety. Why? Because it's not in the character and heart of God. So anything that's not coming from the character and heart of God, we declare war on because we don't want that in our life, right? And we talked about tending the garden, too, right? We talked about the heart being soil, which we'll get to in a second, but you have to go and fight the things that are intruding your garden. That's your responsibility. Are you with me? So we declare war right, on the dysfunctional behaviors, the dysfunctional thinking processes in our mind and heart that talk about and declare who we are and who we are not or what we're able to do and what we can't do. Right? Because the Bible says we can do, we are able through Christ. We are more than capable, right? We're more than conquerors. There's nothing impossible. So if there's something in your heart that's saying, no, you can't do that, that's something you need to fight against. Is that true? Right? So we either believe that God's true in saying that nothing shall be impossible for those that love me and, and have faith in my word, right? We either believe that's true or we don't. So anything contradictory to that concept. We must fight. Are you with me? Now, that goes through all, every section and area of your life. Right? There are some of us in the room that are, are trying to lose weight. Right? And so, our temple is the... the, is the uh, our bodies are the temple of God. All right? So, if our bodies are the temple of God, and God said to take care and be a good steward of that temple, then anything that brings death or destruction or harm to the temple... We should fight against right the concepts, the thoughts that dictate how we live, even in the physical. Are you with me? Or do you not want me to talk about that part of it? Should we just, Let's just talk about the easy, the, the spirit part, right? The heart, let's just talk about the heart, the thing that we can't see, feel, t- taste, or touch, or whatever. So we're declaring war against concepts and arguments in the spirit, in your mind, right? And in your heart area. Because see, you got to understand that your heart as an interesting organ or an entity in your being, right? Because your heart is connected to every part. It's connected to your mind. It's connected to the spirit realm, the Holy Spirit, the, the spirit living in you. It's connected to your emotions. It's connected to your will, so all these different parts of your being that all have different functions, the heart is this uh, overlapping uh, zone in which we, it can either go evil or it can go godly. And you and me have that choice to tend the garden and allow God's word to be sown in our soil of our hearts and grow into a full crop, right? We have that choice. So we're to declare war. You are not your dysfunctional behavior. Say that. I am not... My dysfunctional behavior. Now say it like you actually believe it. I am not my dysfunctional behavior. Some of you have taken ownership and you've just allowed the things that are in your life that are not from God to be from God, which they are not, and become part of your heart and mind. And I want you, and God wants you, to declare war on that. Because it's about transformation, church. It's about you changing. Number two. We talked about the heart as a battleground, and we've gotten into that a little bit. The heart is the battleground. The heart is where this war is taking place. This war is about getting your heart in alignment with God's word so that God can fully be uh, manifested through you and in your life and to the world around you, right? So your goal and the war you're fighting for is to allow more uh, area for for the power of God to flow through your war is unclogging the pipes. Your war is removing the hindrances and the hurdles and the blockades that are keeping the Spirit of God in you from living out of every part of your life. Because you are supposed to be a light. You're supposed to affect the people around you. You're supposed to speak life into people around you. You're supposed to be preaching the gospel to people around you. You're supposed to be an example of love and forgiveness and grace and mercy and power. You're supposed to be a healing agent to this world. You're to be a vessel of healing to those around you. Amen? But a lot of Christians are a vessel of poison or strife or dysfunction around them, and they're not bringing God's life in. So the heart is a battleground. We've also learned that, number three, you're responsible for the condition of the soil of your heart. You are responsible for the condition of the soil of your heart. Your heart, the Bible declares, is soil. And it can be bad soil. It can be good soil. It can be rocky soil. And whatever you allow to be planted in your heart will grow. And so it's your job to make sure that you're planting good seed in the good ground of your heart, which will produce a, a crops of 30, 60 fold, right? So it'll, it'll be exponentially, Lord, you plant one seed in faith of God's word, and exponentially you'll get many seeds from that one seed, right? You'll get much produce from that. And that's your job to plant the correct seed. It is also your job to make sure that evil seeds do not get planted, watered, cultivated, fertilized in your heart. You have that choice whether you're going to allow a lie to come in, and a lie is a seed. A lie from the enemy is a seed. And that seed has an argument around it or a concept or principle, and you either get that lie, principle that seed, and you allow it. And if you come into agreement with that concept and you say, yes, I agree with that, you plant it in your heart and that seed begins to grow. And the problem with that, though, is a weed and it will begin to destroy all the other good parts of the heart because you've allowed it. That's your job. That's my job to tend the garden and the soil of our own hearts. Amen? Are you with me? It's our responsibility to get in the Word every day, to pursue God with our hearts, and to, and to ask God to show us, God, is there any weeds in there that I've allowed? Is there any thoughts and concepts and things that I've allowed in my heart to grow that shouldn't be there? Amen? Yeah. And so we got work to do. Amen? Yeah. And that's why we come to church, to find out how much work we got to do. Oh, but I thought I thought it was all about grace. <laughs> I thought it was all just about just Jesus loves us and we can just show up and go do whatever we want, right? Whew. Number three. Today I want to bring the concept of little by little. That's the, that's the title of my sermon, but little by little. Little by little. We'll get into that verse in a second, but... The concept of little by little is produced out of the Old Testament in the, uh, the workings of uh, Israelites when they went into the promised land. And they were in process. And they had to go and take that land little by little. God did not say, hey, the land's yours. It's all yours. I just went poof and they all disappeared. So just <laughs> run into the land and skip away and build a house and live your life, right? I would skip, but that would be very awkward. And Ken's here, and I don't want to, you know, be a girly man. He's the only skipper that I know. No. Uh, so God didn't do that, and God said, "Look, the land is yours, free gift of grace. It's yours." But in reality, it wasn't theirs yet. But in God's reality, it was theirs already. But they had to not only receive that and go, God, I believe that it's mine, but they had to go in and possess the land. They had to go in and they had to fight for it. They had to draw their sword. They had to go fight for it. And so when we talk about this heart, I want you to look at Ephesians 3 with me. In Ephesians 3, 14, it gives us this picture of some aspects of the heart, and there's so much richness in Ephesians, and especially in this few verses that we could spend weeks in this, but I want to point out a few things on the roadmap in, in Ephesians 3 that talk about this heart and bring out a few concepts. So, verse 14 of chapter 3 says this, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory. What is that? That's pretty big, right? Can we just say unending supply? You know, never-ending great awesomeness. Okay. According to the riches of his glory, that he, God, Jesus, may grant you to be strengthened with power, Greek word dunamis, or the ability to do something, through his spirit in your inner being. That's kind of heavy for me. Let's read it again. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you and me to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. God is giving you the ability, the dunamis, the power, the ability through the spirit living in you to what? To what? This is the interactive part. To what? Be strengthened. Strengthened. In where? In your where? In In your inner being, your inner man. The heart is what they're talking about. This is the process of God, that he is giving you strength by the Holy Spirit to give you the ability to become all that he's called you to be in your inner being. He's causing you to be strengthened. It's a process. We were weak without Christ, and with Christ now we're becoming strong. We don't accept Christ and are 100% strong the next day, but there's a process, right? We have a spirit living in us. We accept God's uh, gift by grace, but we, Paul, like Paul said, we work out our salvation. There's a process, right? Listen to this. The Lord told me this in my journal the other day. There is no work. He said this as I prayed, and he was just speaking to me. He said, there is no work to become a son or daughter of God but there is much toil to walk as a son or daughter of God. Are you with me? Because there, there's a big difference, church, in that you and me need to grasp that there, it's a free gift that we become sons and daughters. But God doesn't want a staying baby sucking on the milk. He wants us growing up. And so there's a big difference between I am a child of God by His grace through faith, but I walk in the authority and the power of the Spirit through much effort and toil and fighting because God is training you and me to be his sons and daughters, right? And that takes a renewing of our mind, getting rid of the old nature, putting off the old man and putting on the new man, the new person, the person created in Christ Jesus to do good works, right? So that is a process, correct? It doesn't happen overnight, You don't raise your hand and say the prayer and all of a sudden life is perfect and you're walking mighty man of God, you know? You may get saved and get delivered from some one thing in your life that's been a big hindrance and have total victory. That's awesome. But there's a whole heart to be transformed. There's a whole heart to be changed over by process of you surrendering to God and becoming his servant through friendship and through the power of the Holy Spirit. I thought that was a great word that the Lord I was like, "Wow, God. I'm so glad you talked to me because I couldn't come up with anything. <laughs> if you weren't so amazing. I just praise God for that. So let's go on. Verse 17. It gets even better so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So check that out. So according to the riches and glory, he may grant you uh, to be strengthened with power, dunamis, through his spirit in your inner being, all that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Dwell means to make your abode. It means to make your home there. Come and be there forever. It's what Jesus said when he said the vine and the branches, right? Abiding in... Same concept, making your tent. Remember, set up in a tent and camping, and that's, God wants to come in and be, be here and be home, right? And so he's asking for the strength and the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ can dwell. So the purpose of the strength, the purpose of the power, the purpose of the Spirit is to allow Christ to dwell in your hearts. Are you with me? That's key because as Christ dwells, now, wait, I thought he just dwelled in me right away. Well, there's a a sequential, there's a growing, there's an exponential growth about God dwelling in your hearts because when you get saved, yeah, you're born again, you're going to heaven. This isn't a heaven and hell issue. This is a growth issue. This is being a son of God versus walking as a king's kid. Big difference. And you need to grow in that. So as you allow Christ to take over your heart, Christ can dwell in your hearts more so and more so and more so, right? Because if, trust me, if Christ came in his full glory right now, we would all be on the floor, probably not even able to understand what was going on. Because we can't we can't even grasp the depth, the height, the power of God's love and greatness and power. His glory is beyond our ability to even comprehend with our, even with our mind's body, everything put together. With all the wisdom of man for all eternity is not enough to comprehend the power and the majesty and the glory of God. And so we have to progressively be transformed into his likeness. Second Corinthians says this, 3.18, mark this in your Bibles, you can read it later. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. From this comes the Lord who is the Spirit. So by God's Spirit in us, we are being transformed. And check out the meaning of that word. So it says, we are being transformed into the same image. You, you get that? Into the same image. Not as your brother, sister, your, no, of God. We're being transformed into his image. That should blow your mind. But let's look at the word um, transform, which is the Greek word metamorphu, which means two things. Meta, the first part of the Greek word, means to be changed after being with something or someone. So it means you're changing based on who you've been with. And then morpho is this, changing from in keeping with the inner reality. Changing from keeping with inner reality. So as the inner reality of your heart being more and more gods gets more and more who you are, you are being changed and transformed based on what is inside you. So the outside doesn't change until the inside starts metamorphosing, right? It's changing, transforming into something new based on the inner workings of what's inside. Are you with me? Because God is in you, working in you to change and transform you. But you and me have to allow this to happen. God will not force transformation on you. He won't. And some people say, well, uh, you know, it, uh, what you sow, you reap. That is true. But God's put that in his system to where if you rebel against God, you're going you're gonna to reap what you sow. And you might say, oh, well, God's doing all these things to me to teach me a lesson. You can believe that. But God's already set it up in his kingdom that whatever a man sows, he will reap. And if you sow rebellion and hatred and uh, 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 anti-God attitude in your life and heart, you're going to reap and start reaping that from what you've planted. God didn't plant it. You planted it. You watered it. You believed it. You believed for it. You exercised faith for the evil seed that's in your heart. And you will reap whatever you sow. And so this word transformation means that transforming and keeping with inner reality after being with somebody. So it's spending time with Christ. It's being with Jesus in our hearts and, and in love and in devotion that we are slowly being changed from glory to glory into the image of His son. Right? And we keep going. And little by little... We take over, and little by little, we wipe off all that peanut butter on our hearts that's blocking, <laughs> blocking the glory from coming out, blocking the power of God in our lives, blocking the love and forgiveness and, and all the great things that God is out to the world around us. Metamorphu, which means to change from the inside. So what is the goal? Yeah, the goal is to transform heart so that God can fully shine out of your being. The goal is a transformed hop. Huh? You know, and if you think about it, the, if you think about the Israelites, when they got the word, remember there was two different people groups. There was the group that said, no, we can't take the land. We don't believe you, God. There's giants in there. They're too strong for us and we'll be destroyed if we go in. They all perished in the wilderness for that because that was considered from God unbelief. And so a new generation rose up, and Joshua and Caleb got to go in because they believed the first time. And so the second time, they outlasted. Everyone else died. They lived, and then now this new group got to go in. And so they were scouting out the land, and God said, hey, I've given you this land. I've given you these promises. Now you've got to go take the land, right? Right? So that's Old Testament. That's a picture book of what the New Testament talks about. Now, in the New Testament, God has also given you a promise. God also has given you, every one of you, promises. And all those promises are yes and amen to those who believe through Christ. And you have the promise of the land of your heart. You have a promised land of this heart, which means your heart, if you'll fully surrender to God, you will experience the land of Canaan. You'll, you'll experience all the promises that they had for that land, milk and honey, your enemies will flee. No one will be above you. You'll be the lender, not the borrower. You have all those covenant promises back in the early uh, Pentateuch that are yours in the New Testament because the New Testament is a new and better covenant than the old one, right? So it's better promises, better everything, right? So if the Old Testament had some good promises, if they went and obeyed the Lord and took the land, how much more do you have if you obey God today and decide to declare war on the enemies of your heart? Because, guys, that heart of yours is a promised land. And in that promised land, there are evil enemies living there In fortified strongholds, they're going to do whatever they can to keep you from being this magnificent light to the world. And you have the choice. Do I want to go in and do battle? Or do I want to just be content with what I've got? I've got my ticket to heaven, right? Because it's by grace, right? Uh, Jesus, I love you. I believe you died on the cross. It's all I got to do. Some people are looking for just the bare minimum. And there's other people that want it all. Are you going to be the one that just says, I just want just enough to not go to hell? Or are you going to be the one that says, Lord, I'm jumping in the deep end? Are you going to be the one that's going to go all in for God? Or are you going to play it safe and just try to barely make it, which is deception in itself and will cause utter pain in your life and the highly strong possibility that you will not make it? Or are you going to be the one that jumps in the deep end? I would encourage you the deep end because that's where you really experience the promised land. And you guys have that promised land in Christ. If you guys will declare war on the enemies that are in your heart and say, no, I'm going to eradicate every one of them. Do you know that God said to the children of Israel, I want you to go in this land, and I want you to obliterate everything. God's telling you the same thing. I've saved you. I've given you the power, and I want you to go in, and I want you to take every stronghold that's a lie in your heart that is deviating from my word, and I want you to take it captive, and make it obey Christ, and be ready to discipline each one. Are you with me? We have been given the power and the authority through Christ to go in and take those strongholds captive, which a stronghold in the Old Testament was a fortified city, right? In the New Testament, a stronghold is a fortified city in your heart that's made up of conceptual lies and uh, things that take you away from the truth of God. So that could be fear. That could be anger. It could be a multitude of things that are in your heart that are opposite of what God says you are that it's trying to convince you that you are anyway. That no matter what God says, no, this is just you. You have to be this way. This is just how you were made. Don't worry about it. Just put up with me. And so what happened is in the Old Testament, the, 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 the people that were in the land of Canaan, they, uh, they, they got to stay. Some of them got to stay, and then the Bible, God's word came true because God said, if you let them live and allow them in, they're going to become snares to you and traps to you. And if you allow anyone to live, they're going to sucker you back into worshiping uh, demonic idols. And you're going to, the, the land's going to spit you out. Are you seeing the parallels here? I hope that your mind is opening up. Please read through Joshua and Uh, the the, the books around it because it'll open up your mind to what is actually yours because when you read the old testament this isn't a, a story of what happened forever ago that has no application to you oh it has tremendous application to you today and god says to you if you will open up your heart to him and you'll allow god to come in and fight with you that you can take the land do you believe that You can take the land. There is no one that can stand against you. No enemy of hell can stand against you and Christ together. There is nothing in your heart, in your mind, in your past, in your generations before you that's in your life that can stand up against you and God. You know, you can conquer this, but you've got to make the choice to do so. Well, if you think about it, I want to end with this concept, and then we're going to worship, and we're going to ask God to work on our hearts because we're going to be doers of the word at this church. We're not going to be hearers only, right, Wes? We're not just going to hear God's word and then say, that was cute and nice and felt good, and then go back to our normal lives. We're going to actually take the word and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to apply it in our life. And so I want you to think about the, the first assignment. Well, actually, I skipped one, and I'm, I apologize. Did my, did my pages get messed up? Oh, it did. That's fun. Um, I want to look at um, Deuteronomy 7 real quick. Deuteronomy 7, 17. And I want to give you that scripture where it says this. Because wisdom does say little by little. And and do me a favor and read through Deuteronomy 7, the whole chapter on your own, uh, this week. Would you take some time and just meditate through there because there's a lot of good things. So I'm going to read some of that. Um, and get there. So Deuteronomy seven seventeen, And God's talking to the children of Israel, setting them up to what his instructions are to do in the promised land. And so I want you to parallel this with thinking of what God wants you to do in the battlefield of your mind and your heart to get uh, your, your ground all belonging to you and serving God. Deuteronomy 7, 17 says, if if in your heart you say this, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and all of Egypt. The great trials in which your eyes saw, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand, and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out of, so will the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. So what a great promise. Think back of how God's worked in your life and the things he's taken you through already and the things he's rescued you from, the things you've seen God do in other people's lives and miracles, and remember those because God promising you, if you can think of any of those, he'll do all that for you. Think about it, right? God said, if you, if you, if you, get, uh, if you get in your heart and you get nervous, go back and remember what I did in Egypt. Well, those people weren't in Egypt. They had all died off. So God's saying, go back to the testaments of the stories of what I have done, and if you'll have faith on those, I'll do whatever you read about my stories, and I'll do it for you. So not only the people in your family and in your own life, how God's worked, but when you read the word of God, and if God said he'll, he did something for his people there, you can take up this promise and say, God, you said if I went in and started fighting for this heart that you call this battleground, you said you would do whatever you did back then for me. So I'm expecting and believing in faith that you're going to come through and do mighty, powerful works to help me get free from bondage that I have in my heart. It's good stuff. Moreover, the Lord your God will send hornets among the people until those who are left and hide themselves from you are destroyed. So, an extra way of helping. I mean, just think of it. It's going to be. We could get into that, but we won't today. Twenty-one. You shall not be in dread of them. You shall not be afraid of the people that are that you're fighting. For the Lord your God is on your in your midst, a great and awesome God. Now, verse 22 is our key verse. The Lord your God will clear away these nations before you, little by little. You may not make an end of them at once, lest the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. Now, I want you to get that concept in your heart, because God was saying to the children of Israel, if you were to just go before them and wipe out every person... Uh, some, some not very good things would happen. One, they could not occupy the whole land because they weren't numerous enough, they hadn't grown enough to be in that place. And while they weren't occupying the land, the beasts and the fields would grow over, so it would be a hard land to maintain and be, a, be alive in and, and thrive in. So God's plan was, says, as I bring this little by little, step above, step line upon line, precept upon precept, I'm going to grow you into possessing the whole land, because if it just Wiped it clean, it would be no good. Think of a garden. Think of your garden. So the garden, if you have some good stuff growing and some weeds, do you want to go in and just you know, cultivate and wipe out the whole thing? You'll, you'll take out everything. You've got to be careful and do it little by little, step upon step, so that you can get this a healthy heart. So it's little by little. And I want you to be encouraged this morning because God doesn't expect you to be this perfect Christian you know, the moment you say, God, I'm going to start fighting. This is a process, guys. This takes time. And so I want to comfort you in this, is that God is expecting you to take one battle on <clears throat> at a time. God's not asking you to take on five cities. In fact, that's not a very good idea. The best idea is God's idea, and it's one group at a time, one thing at a time. And I'm here to challenge you today that I want to ask you today, like, what is your assignment? What's your first assignment? Well, what was the children of Israel's first assignment? The children of Israel's first assignment was Jericho, right? So we have Jericho here. What what do you guys remember about Jericho? Big wall, right? That's what we learned in Sunday school. Big wall. Uh, First assignment, they had to, it was kind of the entryway into the whole uh, area. Uh, They had to cross through the river. They had to do all this stuff. And so this is their first big assignment. Pretty intimidating, right? Well, let's look at some of that. Because number one, when we we look at parallels to Jericho and you approaching your first city to fight, your first stronghold, uh, number one, it may seem intimidating. Okay? So you might see... Big walls. So if you're deciding today and the Holy Spirit's working in you and you're like, man, Pastor Doug's talking about this. I want to I free my heart. I've got some lies in here. I've got some dysfunctional thinking in my life that I want to get free from. I don't want to obey these things that I've been doing. And I don't want to stay in this type of sin that I've been doing, this habitual sin. Or I don't want to keep these same attitudes. And I want to get free. And, and so when you decide to go to war, the enemy's always going to try and make it feel like you're never going to have victory. You're going to get defeated. And so they, they, the children of Israel had the same thing with Jericho because all they saw in the physical was these huge walls, these insurpassable walls that they just thought, man, how are we going to do this? Like, it just seemed out of their realm of, of understanding. And so it can be very intimidating. But the cool thing about this story is that um, they, the people inside were actually more afraid of them. Then they were, that Israel was afraid of, of the people in Jericho. Jericho was frightened. They were in desperate, they were scared out of their wits. So know this today that as you go into battle and you decide to go with Christ and fight the things in your heart, that know that the enemy is more scared of you than you are ever of them. Because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You can approach these battles, you can approach this big thing that you want to fight in your life with confidence knowing that as you go with Christ in this, no wall is too big, nothing's too high, nothing's insurmountable, there's nothing impossible. So know that even though it seems intimidating, really the the enemy is more intimidated. Why? Because Christ has already conquered the enemy. He is a broken down, beat up. The Bible says that Christ made an open public spectacle of the enemy by triumphing over them in the cross. He basically, as I told you before, marched them through town, stripped naked, embarrassing, and beaten. Christ is the victor. So don't let the walls intimidate you. Number two, as you approach your first assignment, and some of you may have already been fighting things in your heart, but as you approach your first one or maybe your next assignment... Remember that, that it may seem intimidating at first, but they're more scared of you than you are of them. Number two, I want you to prepare your next assignment by practicing his presence. When Think about them marching around Jericho. Think about the concept of that in their minds, like, hey, we're going to go conquer land. We're going to go fight. We're going to go, Okay, don't fight. Don't get your swords out. March around the town. Seven days and do nothing, right? So to the to the flesh that may seem like wait a minute I want to put more effort I got to go in there I want to just go in my heart and I would just want to start tackling it I just want to take on that demonic stronghold and those evil thoughts and I want to start casting them out and commanding them to leave and taking an authority and I want to get my sword out and start swinging. Yeah, yeah. that sounds great, <laughs> but a really bad idea yeah. because practicing his presence. God made it clear to Israel that, first of all, you've got to obey me. Secondly, I want you marching around that city, and I want you to get in your hearts that it's all about my presence. They had worship leaders. They had instruments, right? So they were there was a worship. there was a, There was a practicing of, you know, this has nothing to do with how big those walls are. This has nothing to do with my sword, really. This has nothing to do with my strength because it's all God anyway. It's about me going and doing all this with Christ. It's all about me. And just think as they walked around those walls, as they saw those intimidating walls, they started getting their eyes off the wall and onto the majesty of God. And they were worshiping and they were reciting Uh, great things he did. They were thinking about all the great things he did in Egypt and all his miracles and power and the the words he had said, the promises that they had gotten. So they're building their faith, right? They're practicing the presence of God. And pretty soon they got to the point where they're like, yeah, after seven days. Oh, I'm kind of (laughs) dizzy. After seven days, they were ready. Hey, I've been with Jesus. Now their whole approach to fighting has changed their whole approach to tackling the lies in their heart have changed because it's not about you in your own effort trying to fight and, and, and will it and try it and earn it and perform. It's about, no, it's you and Jesus going, hey, this, this is going to be a different type of battle. God wants you to know what type of battle you're going into. So prepare by practicing his presence. And also what that does, tied into number three, is don't go into your next assignment until you can shout. Don't go into your next assignment until you can shout. Now, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you know, if you, if you think about what David said about shouting, David said, let everything within me give praise. Let everything within my being. And I believe that when you're able to shout, there's a couple things that happen. One, there's nothing in you that is not for what you're doing. Because when you shout and you really shout, Like, hallelujah! Mm Did that wake you up?
1: (laughs) I'll
0: have to muffle that out of the thing. Okay? But when you're able to shout, there's a couple things that that was everything within me. I shouted as loud as I could, right? And there's another thing. I don't care what anyone in this room thinks. I simply don't care because my focus is on the presence of Jesus. My focus is on his glory. And he is so worthy of that shout and so much more. He's worthy of the loudest thing I can say out of my mouth, the, the most jumping up and down and waving of hands and twirling and dancing like David did, bringing in the Ark of the Covenant, right, into the city of David. He is so worthy of everything I could produce in my flesh and beyond. So that, that is nothing. So what it means is that you're at a point where you understand that he's everything, and that you're not afraid of what anyone else thinks. All you're out to do is please the Lord. So your next battle, make sure you're ready to shout. Make sure you're ready. And when you go fight, that it's all about, hey, I'm fighting now with the understanding that, man, I'm all gods. I'm all in. There's no hidden parts, right? Because later in in, uh, Joshua 7, someone's not all in. And they can hide some stuff. And so they have a little part of their heart hidden. And they go into battle and they lose because their heart's not all in. And when when you shout, now shouting doesn't make you ready, but shouting is a sign of your heart going, Lord, everything within me is yours. It's all about you, Lord. It's not about me. It's everything I have is about you. Are you with me? So don't go until you can shout. Don't go until your heart is 100% his, because I guarantee you what battle will bring out is the hidden things. Battle will bring out the things that you don't want to deal with. Battle, taking on strongholds of your heart and lies of the enemy, will bring out the weak points in your life. So make sure you're just bare and open with God. And that's why Paul says, I glory in my weakness. Uh, Don't be ashamed of it. Like the guy said, Pastor Russell, don't you know that I see all of you? He had a deformed partial face. Don't you know that I see every part of you? And so when you're shouting and you're giving it all and you don't care about what man thinks about you and it's all about you pleasing him, then you're saying, I'm an open vessel, God. There's nothing we haven't talked about. There's nothing hidden anymore. Number four in the last one. And worship team, you guys can come on up. Never go to battle alone. You know, too many people try and do their spiritual walk by themselves, but let me remind you that it was all of Israel fighting Jericho. It was brothers locked arm in arm, fighting together, going in as a team to help fight a stronghold. If you think you can take on the enemy and the strongholds in your heart all by yourself, you've already brought defeat on your life. You can't do it alone. And I'm not just talking about you just you and the Holy Spirit no one else. God designed you and me to be fitly formed, joined together with brothers and sisters to help each other, to encourage each other, to cry with, to weep with, to help, to love, to pray, to walk alongside. God created us to be in a body. If you try and do it by yourself, you're saying that you can step out of the body, do your own thing, and not be part of God's design for your life. Don't fight alone. Get an accountability partner. Get connected to someone that will walk through you in this journey. When you come into your next assignment, when you come into the next phase, maybe today it's going to be your first assignment. Maybe you've never even thought of really taking on what you for years have pushed down, swept under the carpet, and don't want to deal with. Maybe today is the first day that you hear the Holy Spirit say, I want to deal with this. I want to bring up this that you've never let me talk to you about. So in your first assignment, make sure that you don't go in alone and that you have someone to fight with you. That's what we're here for. Me and Jen are here for it to partner with you. The leaders in this church, there's several pastors in this church. There's several people that love people that will help you and walk through you in these battles. But don't do it alone. Amen? So what we're going to do right now is we're going to sing. And as we sing this song, this song, I think it was written by Michael W. Smith, if I'm not mistaken, but it doesn't matter. Um, This is how I fight my battles. And as we sing this, I want you to understand that how we fight battles is with Jesus in his presence. Because just like Jericho... It was in his presence that enabled them to have victory. And it's only as you fight battles in a, in a state of mind of worship and adoration and connection with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the only way you're going to win. It's the only way you're going to win, staying vitally connected to the word of God, to his truth, to every word that's spoken out of the, the mouth of God is vital to your existence. And so it's, that's how we fight our battles, guys. That's how you're going to win the battle of your heart. That's how you're going to win and tear apart and tear down the strongholds in your heart to have a free heart. Does that sound good? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time, God, and Lord, as we have heard your word, we pray that right now we would become doers of it. That we would not just hear it and let it go in one ear and out the other. But God, we would take your word and your truth and actually put it deep down in our hearts so that we could grow and be fruitful and take on uh, this battleground, Lord. So God, we ask as we sing and worship you a little bit right now, Father, that Holy Spirit, would you bring up our first assignment or maybe our next assignment? Lord, whatever it may be in the hearts of your people, Lord, would you show us clearly, each one in this room I'm asking in the name of Jesus, that you would show each person in this room their next battleground, their next fight. And would you help us get ready for that by being in your presence, being partnered with other people, with not acting in fear, with being confident in your word? Would you you show us your truth, God? We trust you and we believe that you're going to be doing that right now. So we open up our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, to minister truth to us. In Jesus' name, amen.